You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols hanging out with me and a big, big weekend of sports. And it seems, I don't know, man, like it's been a million years since we've been in this studio. National Mashed Potato Day has come and gone, <laughs> yeah. and we're here. I'm still in a bit of a food coma. We talked last time we were here about barbecue and all the barbecue that we ate. Yep. Now this time around, turkey, ham, dressing. On a scale of 1 to 10, how was your Thanksgiving be? Oh, man, it was a 10. Fried turkeys. It was... Everybody that came over to the house, you know, you got to do the obligatory, yeah, moms, your turkey is the best, whatever. That fried turkey was off the chain, son. Now, this was this was the first, was this the first time ever that you'd fried a turkey? First time in about 20 years. Okay, so let me tell you what kind of guy Brandon is, Trent. This guy fried a practice turkey. Two of them, I think. Yeah, and... The instructions, he got one of the outside old campfire type fryers. Yeah. A pair of them, actually. Yes. And I got, I was getting one and it was leaving one and that one looked lonely on the shelf. So I was like, you coming with me too. Yeah. So you got your fryers. And you did your practice turkey, and it turned out beautifully. Yes. And I think there was some alcohol involved, and you were just kind of drinking, flying off the cuff, doing your thing, and Allegedly. it turned out well. Allegedly. So he tried to he tried to replicate exactly what he did the second time around Uh-oh. with the turkey. And he relates this story to me, and I see him – well, he sent me a text, and he's like, I almost had a YouTube moment. Well, what he almost had was – a Sanford Fire Department Uh-oh. moment. Yep. Because he made the mistake, almost made the mistake, of leaving the burner turned on while he dropped the turkey into the fryer. And he hadn't turned the burner off the first time around. <laughs> nope. So he's like, oh, I'm just going to leave it on. And then as he relates the story to me, he turned it off at the very last second, drops the turkey on, and the turkey goes in and the oil comes out mm. and had that burner been on, he'd be sleeping on my couch because he'd have burned his house down. Yes. So correct. Our public service you know, announcement four days too late well, is what? be very, very careful while you're frying it. All right. So what's so funny about this whole thing and how what the thing that saved my life is yeah, I was partaking a little bit the night before. And when I say a little bit, I mean a lot. <laughs> And so everything went swimmingly. Like, I mean, I don't even know what I was doing. I was just moving the turkey. Temperature looked good. Pull it out. Perfection. I take pictures of it. Put it on Facebook. Everything's awesome. Go forward 12 hours. 
I get up, try to repeat, kind of like in Groundhog Day when he had the perfect date and he tries to repeat everything that he did minus the beers. And so something as simple as I forgot how to put the turkey on the little turkey stand. And so I went and YouTube. He had just done it the day before. I just did it the day before and I forgot. So I went and YouTube that little bit. And I left it on when I was trying to, I left the YouTube video playing as I was prepping. And it says, Owen, by the way, turn the burner off and you're lowering the turkey in. And I was like, I ain't going to do that. And as a last second decision, I decided to go ahead and turn this burner off. And it boiled over. And Chris is right. I would have been on the front page of the Sanford Herald. (laughs) But just because I didn't know, I didn't want to turn the turkey upside down on a stand, save my life. But essentially, and probably my neighbor's houses. So 4,300 people a year burn their houses down preparing turkeys between the fryer incidents and ovens. I don't know. I don't get that because I've never had an incident like that. And when you told me that you were going to buy a fryer, I figured, you know, Brandon, especially as it applies to kitchen equipment, just goes over the top. Yeah. I didn't realize you were getting just the old school pot and burner. I actually, he doesn't know this because he didn't come get it. He had asked me if he could use my fryer. I have an electric fryer. No. And there's no risk of anything happening. You you know, your peanut oil is way down. You drop it in the basket. You're good. I've never had any kind of incident. What? But you're hardcore, and, you know, I'm not. No, this dude, Chris, I, I go through that entire dangerous process, and he goes, oh, dude, I got this infrared. Like, <laughs> I'm like, really? Really, those things exist. Hey, I don't have a cutting board that's as big as this table. Or a robot. I know. Stove. Oh, he's not, he's got the robot stove flat top cooktop. Yeah. But now added to the robot cooktop because the cooktop sitting by itself when it's not in full on transformer mode, and we call it Optimus Prime <laughs> Rib, by the way. When it's not in robot mode, it's just this, you know, flat cooktop that's sitting there exposed. So you would think you got to cover that, right? Yeah. So you could do all kinds of things. You could drop a cloth over it. You could put a piece of plastic. No, this dude has a custom-built chopping block that's like five feet across. Damn. That now sits on top of the the uh, cooktop to keep it safe. Come on. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Bobby Flay keeps trying to come over to my house to look at it, and I'm like, nah, get out of here. What's up? I saw a video. It was on the day after Thanksgiving of one of these frying a turkey disasters. Yeah. You guys may have saw it. It was Miami versus Pitt. Oh, oh come on. Hey, that was a Thanksgiving dude. disaster. Well, it, hey, it really, let me, let me tell you something. Hey, right before we get off the turkeys and, uh, and get on to sports on yeah, our get sports, on sports talk radio show. All turkey bodies are not made equally. So use the same logic. All human bodies are different. And what got me on this one, the first turkey I did was a little small pudgy. It actually weighed it it's not pudgy, it's big bone. It weighed a little bit more than the second turkey, but it was more compact. It was a little pudgier. Yeah. Look. And then the all second quarterbacks one, are not built the same too. And Mark the second Ray one was a little you. longer and awkward. So anyway, that's what almost led to my death. So turkey bodies are all built differently, as are people, but Brandon, body shaming <laughs> applies with turkeys as well. Yeah. Get oh, off that turkey, dude. Okay. 
I'm sorry, turkeys. That are, <laughs> that are dead and have been fried already and consumed. I apologize. And, uh, all right, on to sports. We're talking about Miami. Miami goes into pit. Every it's a foregone conclusion that Miami is going to roll into the ACC championship as the number one team. They're going to roll in there, and they've got to beat Clemson, and they go into the playoff as number one, and they do the unthinkable. And Malik Rozier couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> and Pitt, Pitt, who just lost to UNC, <laughs> knocks off undefeated Miami. And the world has been tilted off of its axis. Now, that said, that game doesn't matter. Nope. It has nothing to do with anything. And to all the talking heads out there, and it's funny because we've been doing this long enough that I always say talking heads. And I guess that includes us because my head talks a lot. Yep. Miami, if they beat Clemson, is going to the national championship playoff. Period. Yep. Period. So we did this the other day, and you guys refused to cooperate. But we're going to try this again. We're going to go miserable. around the table, and I want you to tell me things that you know for certain about the national championship playoff picture. Brandon Atkins, go. The winner of the ACC championship game will be in the Final Four. Boom. Trent. The winner of the Big Ten championship will be in the Final Four. Oh, didn't think you were going to go that route. No. See, I'll say that the winner of the SEC is in. I agree with Brandon that the winner of the ACC is in. The winner of the Big Ten, I think... Is in, but I could see where Ohio State gets left out. I well, I think the only chance of a catastrophe going on. I think that we've gotten to the point where those three conferences are: you win, you're in. The only one that I see losing that can disrupt this whole thing, and then maybe an Alabama can get in, is if Oklahoma loses. Okay, here's what I'll say. This is what I think I know about this. Obviously, if Oklahoma wins, Oklahoma is in. Yes. I also think that if Oklahoma wins, they are the two seed behind whomever wins the SEC. Yes, I agree. Now, TCU and Oklahoma play in the Big 12 championship game. If TCU wins, I think TCU is in if Stanford beats USC. Because out in the Pac-12, you have Stanford and you have USC. I think that if USC wins, they're on the outside looking in if Oklahoma wins the Big 12 championship. Agreed. If You're talking TC, about the horny frogs, right? I'm talking about the horned frogs, yes. If TCU wins and USC wins, I think USC gets in, and I think the Pac-12 champ is in. I don't see a scenario. I don't see a scenario where Alabama can get in unless TCU wins the Big 12 and Stanford wins the Pac-12. That's the only way I see that it could happen. See, unfortunately, I think the Pac-12 kind of shafted themselves, and I don't I don't see a scenario where they get in. Well, I just gave you one. Yeah. Can we go around the table <laughs> one more time? Yeah, yeah, we can go around the table as many times as we want. But uh, So let me recap real quick. Okay. ACC <laughs> champ is in. SEC champ is in. I agree with Trent, and I told you guys weeks ago, if Ohio State wins the Big Ten, they were going to sneak in. 
with the way things have played out at this point, I think that's true because Alabama losing, Miami losing, that played into Ohio State's hopes. So I think SEC, ACC champs are in. I think the Big Ten champs are in. Mm-hmm. I think it's most likely that Oklahoma wins the pack, the, the Big 12 and that they're in and that the Pac-12 is out. Yep. However, just to recap, if TCU wins the Big 12, I think TCU is in. If Stanford wins the Pac-12, otherwise I think the Pac-12 is out. Is that clear? Yes. Okay, what you got? Alabama's out. <laughs> well, oh, we, my we, God, that felt so woo, good. Well, listen. You listen. are out. Roll Tide where? Rolled back to the couch. Uh-oh, Nick Saban, Nick Saban didn't like that a oh, bit. Oh, my God. So what you don't know, Trent, is that Brandon and I were talking as the Alabama game closed out. And Auburn, to be honest, Auburn looked like as good a team as is in the country right yep. now. Now, can they do that a couple more times? We'll see because Georgia has – Georgia's going to come with everything. Georgia. And I still believe, you know, before the first time they played, looking at it <laughs> so that everybody knows what's going on. Brandon bought the iPhone 10 this weekend and has no idea how to operate. This dude, this thing fell off a spaceship. I mean, I just got <laughs> – Somebody just shot us with a ray gun. I'm sorry. <laughs> So, I have no idea what I was talking about. Auburn, going into the Georgia game a couple weeks ago, on paper, Georgia was the better team. Guess what, guys? Nothing's changed. Georgia still is the better team on paper. Auburn's already showed they could beat them, and that's what makes college football great. And with Kerry and Johnson out, probably, for Auburn, they've got a problem. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to predict Georgia wins the SEC, goes on into the national playoff, no hoopla associated with it. I've got Ohio State beating Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, and I think Ohio State, much to the dismay of the non-Ohio State viewing public, is going to get in. We'll finish the thought on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on WBLZ and WDCC. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. If you want to chime into the conversation, email us at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. That's cheapseatradio at gmail.com. If Professor Trent reads your message on the air, we will send you the coolest T-shirt in the history of T-shirts. He read one last week in the voice of Pepe Le Pew, I think. (laughs) Wee wee. Oh, wee wee. So, hey, just real quick, Alabama losing is, to me, I got personal joy out of that. There's David Kaplan. He just scared the crap out of me. But anyway, 
I understand. Let's shift to Carolina, um, to uh, NCAA basketball. Not totally, <laughs> but here. But here's my point. I understand why the rest of the country hates Duke. I won't use Carolina because that's Homer, and you're gonna think I'm trying to prompt, you know, pump Carolina, even though they got blown out by Michigan State. But Duke, I understand why people across the country hate Duke because I hated Alabama as a football fan in football. And I was so happy to see them lose. Is, is there something wrong with me? No, I, I think that there comes a time, you know, for every Goliath that we have in in American sports, there has to be a David. And that's what makes college sports great is that anybody can knock off anybody any given weekend. Alabama losing crushed the soul of millions and millions of Alabama fans. And I drank all their tears. Alabama fan, let me tell you something. You are second on the obnoxious list behind only Cowboy fan. Oh. (laughs) Alabama fans, and I say this as a guy who lived the biggest part of my adult life in the Deep South. We don't like you, Alabama fan. You're obnoxious. Yeah, we get, you're good. Much respect. Nick Saban might be the greatest football coach in the history of college football, and I mean that. But, man, you're obnoxious. Yeah, and, and the best front runners there ever were. And I'm going to say roll tide your butt to the couch and watch the Final Four championship. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I, I need you to follow along with me. Okay, go for I it. I agree with you, Brandon, that Alabama is out. I do not see a scenario where Alabama is going to get in. I just don't. The, the selection committee hasn't put hasn't put two teams from the same conference in yet. I don't think they're going to start now. Folks, you need to understand, the national championship playoff was put together essentially by the Power Five com- conferences. Yep. They're not going to screw two conferences in one season. That's not going to happen. They're going to find a way where representatives from – Four conferences get in, if at all possible. They didn't want Notre Dame to be in this thing, and Notre Dame obliged them. And not only dropped a second game, now they've dropped a third game. So Notre Dame took them off the hook, took themselves out of the national playoff hunt. That's what the Power Five conferences wanted. They're not going to screw this up. And people trying to draw parallels between Ohio State getting in as a non-conference champion And this year's situation where folks think that two teams from a single conference ought to get in don't understand what happened with Ohio State. Ohio State lost a game early to Penn State, ran the table, and was obviously to the eye and on paper the best team in the Big Ten. So even though they missed their conference championship game, they had a loss six weeks weeks earlier the committee forgave that, looked at the win they had against Oklahoma, which people keep leaving out of the equation, and said, man, based on resume, yeah, they lost head up to Penn State on a you know on a blocked field goal. We're going to go ahead and go with Ohio State. And probably in a vacuum did the right thing. Did Penn State, should Penn State fans be upset? Sure. But I think the committee, I understand what they were trying to do. They're not going to take a team that, by definition, by stubbing their toe and not winning the conference and 
not having the best resume in that conference and put them into the national championship fight. I understand what you're saying, but that gets into eye test territory. And I'm hearing eye test so much now as we, you know, we were talking about Joey Galloway yesterday. He's pretty straightforward. He's got some Big Ten bias, but all these guys are saying eye test. I think that's dangerous when you start talking about eye test. I'll repeat it again. Because then why even play the games? If if somebody gets beat, then you go, oh, no, nah, but they look, they probably should have won and they look better. So let's just go ahead and stick them in. Just put, just go ahead and name a champion at the beginning of the year. Are we talking about test. this in the context of the Alabama argument that's going on now or the Ohio State thing last year? Pro- probably in the context of Alabama this year. Okay, because it, Ohio State – it wasn't the eye test that got them in. It was the fact that they had a tough non-conference schedule and that they were blowing people out down the stretch. Right. Whereas Penn State seemed to get it done with smoke and mirrors and was a good story. So it's a different animal. Alabama this year, here's the thing. From an eye test standpoint, week in and week out, I think there is an argument to be made that Alabama is the best team in the country, period. I don't agree with that well, at all. That you're allowed to them. not agree with it, but let me finish my point, which is Alabama is the victim of bad luck this year. And when I say that, I'm talking about the fact that they scheduled Florida State in this titanic matchup in week one, and then Florida State went on to have one of the worst seasons in school history. Had Florida State been Florida State and been a one-loss or a two-loss team, Alabama could hang their hat on that on that W. Then you fast forward and you look at LSU. LSU traditionally, when we look over the course of the last 10 or 15 years, has been a one- or a two-loss team every year. No, this year they're 7-4. and four. That's the best win Alabama has on their resume. Everything after that, you're, you're scrambling. You're talking about, well, they beat old, they beat Mississippi State. Mississippi State? Well, yeah, but that's the problem. Mississippi State had it. They could have beat them. So that's why they could, I don't well, think that's they're the, other the best thing is team because they should, have. they should have blown out all of those other teams. Agreed. And it's not their fault that Florida State stunk and the schedule was three years ago or whatever, but they didn't come up until anybody, until Auburn, and they were exposed and not just beat. So they're not and they're this, only the best team because that's what we always think. Roger that. But and they're by the not way, the best team. And well, by the way, I don't want to talk about Florida State, but Jimbo, you had best be glad that you beat Florida because they were about to set your old house on fire if well, you hadn't. Jimbo best be going to Texas A&M and enjoy himself. A, I'm I think Jimbo's gone. Yeah. I think Jimbo's out of there. I think Jimbo I t- I, you know where I feel about Jimbo Fish. Yeah, man. It, he All he needs to do is not what you think, I think, paraphrasing. Just don't mess up the best players that you already have. Like, your own on-the-field coaching pretty much sucks. Um, he just – sometimes when you have all the best players, sometimes you just got to get out of the way and let them play. I um, agree. But I will tell you this, and we need, it's long overdue, and we've waited long enough to do this, and Chris, eventually you'll know where I'm going with this. But you and I were on the phone, Chris, 
talking about all of our predictions over the course of the season. And we're laughing at ourselves. Remember when we were talking about Oklahoma State being the best team? I remember it well. The only prediction all year that has stood and still stands is from who, Chris? Professor Trent Nichols. Actually, Wisconsin. Two of them, guys. Oh, here we go. You can't just take the compliment. No, no, no. I appreciate it. What was the second one? But it may not come true, but I said Stanford would win the Pac-12. Oh wow! Thank you. You did say that, and I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to go. Yeah, with but that nobody one. believes in Wisconsin, and that's why I'm going to hang my hat on Wisconsin. And I hope they go in there and run and pound and win a few games in the and win the national title. That's well. It. Here's the if funny they can part beat about, Ohio State, they can beat any of those other teams. Here's the funny part about Wisconsin: is people giving them grief for the schedule they played. I think you need to go look at that versus the schedule Oklahoma played. And yes, Alabama finally ran into. Did I say Oklahoma? I'm in Alabama. Yeah. Look at it versus Alabama's schedule. Mm-hmm. And yes, Alabama finally ran into Auburn, and Auburn looked like a much better team than than Alabama did. Wisconsin gets their Auburn game next weekend mm-hmm. against Ohio State, and if they beat Ohio State, listen. This is to the ESPN talking heads and the writers who are trying to get you to click on their headlines. This is really simple. We've set this up for you. Don't listen to anything anybody else is saying. The ACC champ, whether it be Clemson or Miami, is in. The SEC champ, whether it be Auburn or Georgia, is in. Yes. The Big Ten champ, whether it be Ohio State or Wisconsin, is in. That's three teams. That only leaves one spot left. If Oklahoma wins the Big 12, bam, there's your final four. The questions come if TCU, which could well do it, finds a way to beat Oklahoma, then you've got some craziness going on. The horny frogs. there's some other things. You you just love saying that. What, the horny frogs? (laughs) I I think – can I mention one other prediction? Sure. That was made by Brandon that is accurate. Okay. Is Brandon said Clemson reloads. Yup. He did. Yep. And they're number one in the country yeah. right now. <laughs> oh, my God. David, you couldn't have gotten here at a better time, my brother. I hate all of you. Guys. I still think – I'll be honest with you. Now, they, they could lose to Miami. And he is – well, okay, but that's it. They need to beat Miami in my book. I said they had yes. to get back to the national title game to fully reload because the ACC is in a down year. Everybody but Miami and Clemson yes. are basically right. the only two good teams. Not saying they haven't reloaded, but hey. they need to win a they and, need to and win and the two other games. The other piece of that, games. too, is that probably in all of sports in America, the sport that it is toughest to repeat as a national champ is college football. Mm-hmm. If Clemson gets a second straight national title – then they are a legit all-time one of the best you know eras in a particular program, and this is and I know this comes out of nowhere. If they win a second national championship back to back, I think Dabo Sweeney stays there forever. Mm-hmm. Well, I've told you all a million. I agree with that. <laughs> I, I've told you a million times. I think he's 
the coach in waiting at Alabama. He's already a god. In so, Clemson. but let's but, see what Dabo does as some of his assistant coaches start getting plucked the, off. Now that's right? now that's thing. the thing. That's just, yeah. So the analogy. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and he and his coaching staff went down and spent time with the Clemson coaches. Nick Saban, basically from the time that he started with Michigan State, LSU, he's lost everybody all the time, and it's his program. Yes, sir. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out at Cheap Seat Radio, at Cheap Seat Radio on social media. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Thank you, Sammy Hagar and Chickenfoot, for bringing us back in. That always gets me fired up. This is always like the most hyped segment of the show. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on WDCC. we got half an hour left. Once we get done here, if you want to hear more, head on over to the Internet where you can find us in the iTunes store. Check the web for From the Cheap Seats. Hey, check listen. our Facebook page, check Twitter, check Instagram, check whatever. Can I check your fax quick? machine. Listen to this. You know what that sound is? What, uh, MC, UNC that, missing a shot? Is that reloading? That's is Clemson, that Clemson reloading. reloading. Oh, okay. That's UNC missing shots outside. To finish my point, though, real quick, Nick Saban, he's like a dictator. He has his program on lockdown, so it doesn't matter who he hires. He hires the tight ends coach from New England Patriots, and they still basically succeed until they meet Auburn. Dabo right now <laughs> is not that dictator. And I want to see if he starts getting pulled away all of assistance, can he maintain? Well, well, it's inevitable. First of all, his assistants will start leaving. Yes. Okay, it's just a matter of, first of all, whether those guys have success other places or if he's and if he's able to bring in new guys and adjust fire and continue to march. One of the best examples of a guy that's able to do that and has been doing it for years is Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Urban Meyer's coaching tree is extensive. And now Dan Mullen, who people have forgotten was a was an Urban Meyer acolyte, is moving from Mississippi State to Florida. Florida. And I'm going to tell you something. Dan Mullen is the perfect, perfect, perfect guy to go to Florida. To Florida. He was there with Urban Meyer. Dan Mullen is the man who brought you Tim Tebow. He's the man that brought you Dak Prescott. And people out there in Radio Land will never, ever, ever, ever know how close Dan Mullen was to being a legit national championship contender at Mississippi State. 
the decision that Cam Newton made to go to Florida came down to two schools, Mississippi State, Florida. Who's paying the most? Or, excuse me, Mississippi <laughs> State and Auburn. Mississippi State and Auburn. It came down to those two schools. And what did you just say, Brandon? Yeah. Who paid the most? <laughs> Boom. It's amazing hey, that the NCAA went so far out of their way to ignore what had happened. See, what had happened That was is- crazy. They had just taken a national championship away from USC over Reggie Bush stuff. That may have happened. His mom got an apartment. There was a car involved. And so, then Cam well, Newton didn't comes out State and his dad had gotten paid $100,000 for him to go. From State. No, from Auburn. I thought Mississippi State. Oh, okay, never mind. Wasn't Mullen at Utah as well? Enjoyed some of that success with Urban. With Urban, yeah. Like he's been with. You might as well clone oh, Urban. I, I left out. I told you, Tim Tebow, Dak Prescott, Alex Smith. Yeah, yeah. Alex Smith. Yeah. Man. Dan Mullen is a monster and has done it at Mississippi State. And this is a challenge that most folks don't realize Mississippi State has. It's a matter of proximity at Mississippi State. Okay, the natural rival for Alabama is. Who, Trent? Auburn. How far is Auburn from from Alabama? Uh, I would just say just a stone's throw. A stone's throw. It's 150 miles away. Oh, okay. It's on the a other side. Of, than it's literally on the other know. side of the state of Alabama. <laughs> You're okay? asking this group geography. I know, right? Jeez. Eight miles from Chapel Hill to Duke. Eight there miles from Chapel Hill to Duke, and you guys killing each other. Right. But it's 150 miles from Alabama to Auburn. Okay, they obviously recruit against one another. Mississippi State is 95 miles away from Oxford, which is where Ole Miss is at. Those are relatively close. It's 78 miles from Starkville, Mississippi to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Hmm. They're right there. And you've got Mississippi State, who is one of those no offense to any of my Stark Vegas friends. It's an also ran in the SEC. Mississippi State's one of those teams that will have a good year here and then they disappear for two And they or three don't years. move the but needle. But they've been like, for fans across the country, they do not move the needle either way. No. Like they nobody cares. So when you're Dan Mullen, who is a quarterback whisperer and who is a good recruiter. And he was an upstanding guy. I mean, he's he's done his thing. Nine years at Mississippi State. He won at Mississippi State. Mississippi State during those nine years was not a doormat in the SEC very often. Dude, if Alabama was not allowed to hold the entire game, Mississippi State <laughs> would have beaten more. Alabama. But, but my point with Mississippi State is Dan Mullen has gone into the SEC and has won. Now you're going to let him go down to Florida where he's got a legit shot to recruit top-shelf athletes he's down a, there? He's got a blank check brother, ready to go. Dan Mullen is familiar with the state of Florida. He's familiar with the University of Florida. He is familiar with SEC recruiting, and he is a quarterback whisperer. I mean, the, the track record is there. I'll put him up against anybody when it comes to college quarterbacks and and he's in the right side the right conference so to when dominate. when coaches <laughs> when coaches he's in the right side of the conference so when dominate. coaches I always crack up at quarterback whisperer like so when they're whispering are they like 
please, please win me some games. Yeah, that's please Adam win Gaze. some games. It, hey, I mean, Jay what do you Cutler. look? The, here's the thing, Brandon. It, it's leadership, and right. some guys are able to verbalize and articulate things into a way that in a way that makes more sense. Well, in the and it NFL, registers with those guys. And his Nick Fitzgerald's playing quarterback for him, and you know, moved up onto the national consciousness. I promise you, at 95% of the other schools, this guy would have been nobody. Well, in the NFL, like you don't want that tag on you right now because look at Cutter. You know what I mean? Like he's a quarterback whisperer and he's getting his butt handed to him all year long. And and you know, not very many degrees of separation because the number one candidate to replace Dan Mullen. At Mississippi State is Todd Monken, who is the offensive coordinator for Dirk Cutter at Tampa Bay. <laughs> this is funny, and it tells man. you wow. how tough a job Mississippi State is. And we're going to talk about the carousel here in a minute more. But right now, you've got all these jobs coming open: Tennessee, Florida, UCLA, Nebraska, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State. Their number one candidate is the offensive coordinator for a team that can't move the ball in the NFL. And if I'm what? a coach, if I'm a coach and I'm in the NFL and I'm being interviewed, I'm like, uh, excuse me, no, I'm a tight end whisperer. <laughs> I'm not a quarterback whisperer. But that's that's Dan Mullen took the job at Mississippi State because he wanted to be a head coach. Yep. He's gone there. He's had a moderate amount of success in a very difficult position. And the fact that Todd Munkin, who was the head coach back in the day at Southern Miss, went to the NFL and now is the offensive coordinator again for an offense that can't move the ball and has all the talent in the world, and he's their number one candidate. That tells you right there everything you need to know about the desirability of the job at Mississippi State. It's just not a good job. I got you. All right. Is it Saban 1? Urban two, Dabo three now. Yes, for right now, and Dabo could well leave Urban behind, but yes, that is the hierarchy in the NCA right now. That's you pretty agree, incredible. Trent? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I mean, I think Harbaugh is still right there at number four, though. And I mean, I'm going to tell you, you guys are looking at me nuts, but take a look at Michigan. The best players on their team right now are freshmen and sophomore, the group that Harbaugh has recruited. So you may be looking at me stupid, but mark my word, in a year or two, Michigan is going to be relevant and they'll be right back Trust on, me, on top. I would be looking at you like you're stupid, Trent, but you've earned way too much street cred this year with the Wisconsin pick. So you have that currency. So right now, I'm not going to look at you sideways. But who's to say Chris Harbaugh? Is, I'm looking at you sideways. I and just here's, don't. Hey, listen. I don't think Harbaugh is going to last. No, he's going to move on somewhere. Harbaugh came in there and did something with another person's team and got him almost to the playoff. Basically, had a great season. Then last year they were very competitive. This year's a down year, but all their guys coming up are Harbaugh's Harbaugh's guy. Okay, here's here's what I'll tell you. He ain't going anywhere unless be, it's the NFL. This is going to be. Harbaugh's undoing if he ends up out on his ear from Michigan. Three years, he hadn't been able to find a quarterback. Period. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. I mean, defensively, guy, he's recruiting athletes, and they're putting guys in position to succeed. That defense is nasty. They've got skill position guys, but he has mangled 
the quarterback position for three seasons now, and they haven't beaten Ohio State yet. Yeah. They can't they keep lose finding ways to lose at Michigan State. Well that that's where their patience won't be, but I'm telling you, if he's there two more years. Okay. I, and I expect him to be and I think as an I think Ohio State fans out there, there is a part of them that's almost clamoring because it's not fun anymore. It was mm-hmm. cool when it was, you know, we'd beat them three out of four, four out of five, five out of six. But now it's almost not a rivalry anymore. And my life used to revolve around the game. Mm-hmm. And we plan. And, in fact, this weekend, my mother came into town, drove all the way in from Mississippi, and that was the travel plans was I'm going to leave right after the game. So packed her stuff up. We watched the game together. It was great. And she rolled out. But there's there was never this year and the last few. There just isn't Well, I'll tell you this. Michigan, a sense that Michigan can beat Ohio State. Michigan is that program. It's like one of the best in the country in terms of the uh in NCAA football. But the fans need to calm down just a little bit. We just read off the top list. You know what they say about Bill Pullian used to say, if you listen to the fans too much in the media, pretty soon you're gonna be sitting right there with them, right? So they just need to calm down, you know. After Harbaugh, yeah, then you got to go find the next yeah. up and coming thing. So what else are you looking for? You're not going to get one of the other three. How long has Dabo been in Clemson? He, I think it's about oh eight. What? What's that? Is that so long? Nine years. He head coach in oh eight. Almost ten. He was years an interim head coach. So the expectation was that Jim Harbaugh was going to come in, and all of a sudden Michigan's going to win national titles. Well, if you're a Michigan He's fan, been of there course, four, yeah. four years, of course, yeah. So. I don't know. I think unless the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts, try to hire him away, <laughs> I'm saying he's number four, man. There's not another one out there There's right really now. Not. You're gonna take a you're gonna take a gamble on people that have not been there. I'm gonna put him at number four. I'll stand by it until he's out of college. All right, football let's examine again. that for a second because I'm I'm sort of cataloging. You would have to take Bob Stoops is gone from Oklahoma, so that's one of those established guys. Mac Brown is out of Texas. Chip Kelly's back in the mix. Yeah. That's another blank check situation. Yeah, that's going to be huge. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, here's the question you have to ask yourself about Chip Kelly. But one thing, why are they saying, oh, I can't wait for U, uh, UCLA to be relevant again? When has when UCLA really been relevant? relevant it's in been a long football? Time. When Troy Aikman was there? I, yeah. I, I don't understand why people misunderstand so, UCLA. Here's here's kind of where I'll put this for you. Chip Kelly, if I'm looking at this and I'm looking at my quality of life and my peace of mind moving forward, I can take the job at Florida. And Florida, that fan base down there has not wrapped their minds around the fact that Steve Spurrier is gone. <laughs> that was the glory days for Florida football. Then Urban Meyer came in, national championships. They've had no success since then. Florida fan is looking for national championships, period. Anything less than that, they're they're, they're not trying to hear that. Mm -hmm. UCLA, UCLA had never been any good. Mm. It's because John – basketball. Well, yeah. It's because John Wooden wasn't cheating for him. Well, according to – 
according to everybody, but Bobby Knight's the only one with the stones to say it. <laughs> so Chip Kelly looking at it, and you've got, okay, I can go to Gainesville, Florida, which is a nice area. I can go to L.A., which is the premium spot in the world, all kinds of endorsements and everything else out here, and nobody expects me to win anything. Yeah. It's perfect. It's we'll see you on one. the other side. we got 15 minutes left, WDCC. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back from the Cheap Seats. WBCC listeners, you got 15 minutes to go. Then head on over to the internet. You can find us in the iTunes store or any place else. Check our Facebook page at Cheap Seat Radio. There's always links to the show there. Now, we were talking about the hierarchy of coaches in the NCAA. I think we agree. Saban one, Urban Meyer two, Dabo Sweeney three. The question is where Harbaugh, Harbaugh lays in relation to that. Now, he had a good run at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a great run with the 49ers. People have forgotten how good those 49er teams were, whether it was a credit to him or all of those draft picks they had stockpiled because they were so bad for so long. The question is, is who's in there in that four and five slot? I'm not going to put Harbaugh there. I don't. I think you got to hang more banners before you get a nod like that. I'm looking at guys like David Shaw at Stanford. Well, that's the other one I was going to say, man. I don't think he gets much love, but he does it. But you know, he does that to himself. Seventy-two and twenty is his record as a head coach. David Shaw's, and I don't understand why there's no NFL team knocking down his door. Well, why doesn't every athletic director calling him to try to make him a candidate? Well, see, that it's because of the Pac-12, man. They play all their games at three a.m. Like. Everybody's asleep when the Pac-12 plays. No, it's uh, that's that's an issue. I agree. The other thing I get from David Shaw when I hear him that he's legitimately happy where he's at. Yeah. And it's sort of the Cutcliffe thing. You know, David Cutcliffe could go to a bigger program at this point. He's got that kind of track record. And, yeah, they lost to Army this year. But David Cutcliffe is happy because he doesn't have any – you know, people aren't having a heart attack. Why doesn't he go back to Tennessee? He doesn't want to. I'm dead serious. 
David Cutcliffe is in the job he's going to have until he's done. Yeah. What was the last coach's name? I just can't think of him right now. Tennessee that actually won. That won? Yes. That he retired. The guy that was there forever. I'm getting him mixed up with Barry oh. Alvarez, the Wisconsin coach. It, anyway, this makes for bad radio. Cutcliffe is mad at Tennessee because of the way they he, they did that last coach. They jerked him around. Cutcliffe would never go to Tennessee, even though he's got those great ties with them. Um, and speaking of Tennessee, what kind of mess have they gotten themselves into now with the Shiano stuff, Chris? I don't know that they got themselves into a mess. Here's the thing. I applaud them for being responsive so that everybody understands what's going on. Greg Schiano was the head coach at Rutgers. Then he went down and was the head coach in Tampa Bay for the Buccaneers. Right. And that kind of, that hiring kind of came out of nowhere. Well, it was a disaster down there in Tampa Bay. And his drill sergeant style didn't work out down there. Nope. So he got the boot. He found his way to Ohio State, where he is now the defensive coordinator. Back in the day, before he got the gig at Rutgers, he was a defensive coach at Penn State. And in the investigation into Jerry Sandusky and his pedophilia, there are some intimations that Greg Schiano may have known what was going on. I don't know. I don't know what's in the dude's head. I don't know what's in the dude's heart. Tennessee had plucked him off of the Ohio State coaching staff to come be the new head guy at Tennessee. Folks on campus at Tennessee, you know, the internet's out there. Started protesting. They did. They started protesting. And you had people making statements. You've got gubernatorial candidates out there that have made statements. And it got so bad that Tennessee said, ah, no. Now, whether or not it's well-founded and and it's, you know, a real thing, I, I can never know. See, but I think that from what I heard was that he actually mentioned something. He actually came forward and said something and kind of outed the whole Sandusky thing. I don't know. Obviously, probably not if they're going to be that look, up in arms. Look, this is a sensitive topic. So if he knew, had any knowledge, it was part of the cover-up, blah, 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 all that, then, yeah, he should never have a job anyway, anywhere. But just because you're close to a program, that means that every intern over there should never have a job. You know, Shiano wishes he'd never been offered a job now because he's, like, basically now he's screwed. Screwed. Now he's really in trouble. Yes. Yep. Because now that Tennessee has turned their nose up at him, and this is a thing. And Tennessee sucks. But he was—he wasn't involved because there was the one guy that was a redheaded quarterback that actually got arrested for it because he knew something and didn't come forward. So Shiano would have you been. Guys the same. are great with your research today. You're like that one coach from Tennessee. And Fulmer, the by the way, is uh, Phil Fulmer. Phil Fulmer. <laughs> okay, so just going to drop that in there. Phil Fulmer was mistreated. Tennessee didn't know what they had when they had it, and that's why David Cutcliffe will never go to Tennessee because he saw how that was handled. I'm telling you, David Cutcliffe is on the record. He said it as clearly as anybody, and and sometimes you have to take what people say at face value. David Cutcliffe is happy at Duke. This is a great place to live. He's up there chilling. He doesn't have any pressure on him. He doesn't have to go push the envelope and, you know, do quasi-unethical things to bring students in there. He's going to go get good student-athletes. And I know this for certain because I've had enough interaction 
in and around high school programs when the recruiting process is going on at Duke. If your kid is a knucklehead, he doesn't want anything to do with him. He wants good, upstanding, legit student athletes that will go out there, and then he's going to go out there, and every once in a while they'll win eight or nine ball games, and everybody wants to give him a parade. I love he's fine Dave, with that. I love David Cutcliffe, and I do, but every single one of his interviews sound the same. He's like, you got to have attention to detail, hold each other responsible, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning. That's his interview right there in a yeah. nutshell. That's yeah, it. That's, I mean, that's pretty much it. <laughs> And, I love you, Coach. And he's making, you know, what, a million and a half a year? I don't know what he makes it do. But he's he's fine. He's good. He's not going anywhere. He doesn't want to go up there to Knoxville and deal with that mess. And, yeah, the way that they treat Phil Fulmer, sure. You should have seen – listen, it. everybody has forgotten how badly they treated Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning while he was there. Yep. I can remember Peyton Manning getting the nod and coming in as a freshman to start and people calling for his head. Any idea who he replaced as quarterback when he was a freshman? Baseball guy? Todd Helton. Yes, sir. You didn't know. Nice that, did pull. I was, that was. Boom. I didn't understand the question. At I was first. just I'm a, like, what? what? Oh, yeah. Todd Helton. I was Todd, just, Peyton Manning came into that into that freshman season as the third quarterback. And it was injuries. Peyton Manning got thrown in there. And there had been a lot of hoopla during the recruiting process. And Peyton Manning went in there and wasn't very good. I heard Peyton Manning showed his butt. Yeah, but I mean, there's a history of mistreatment. The reason why I'm not an Indiana Hoosier fan right now is because of what they did to Bob Knight. So, whatever. I can dig that. I mean, speaking of which, on the audio channel, that that Joe Buck um, interview show, what's it called? Oh, look at Mr. Research Guy. Yeah, I know. (laughs) This is horrible. Listen, turkey, football, research. Yeah, the turkey and the football. We, we, this isn't a well-researched hey, show today. Hey, My red-headed quarterback was Mike McQueary. He Mike was born McQueary. in Durham, North Carolina, by right, the we way. We need a spotter. <laughs> I, I, what's going on? Hey, we're taking applications. Send them to cheapseatradio at gmail.com. We need a spotter to I come mean, in. minute delay on our info. <laughs> Come on, guys. You know that thing about that other thingy that we were talking about? What I was talking about, and Brandon, I don't think has seen this yet, but he has heard about the interview, is Joe Buck doing his sit-down interview with Bobby Knight. And if you're ever going to get a candid interview subject, Hmm. Bob Knight Bob Knight's your guy. And Bob Knight rails Undeniable with Joe Buck. Undeniable. There you go. I I can't stand Joe Buck, by the way. But he does a full hour with Bob Knight. And if you guys out there, we're not promoting other people's shows normally. Go watch it. It is great, great television. Bob Knight just sort of unplugged. Um, cursing. You know, it's on deep cable, so he can say whatever he wants to. Joe Buck does it kind of his Jimbo Fisher. He doesn't screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> Because he didn't need to do much. Well, and Knight. Joe Buck just kind of got out of the way in this interview, let him run with it. And Bob Knight will tell you everything you ever wanted to know about his interaction and the, the sort of the end at Indiana. Hmm. I have to go watch it. He also really, really, really has some cool stories about when he coached the U.S. men's basketball team to a gold medal. Yeah. That's a real fun part. My- his bit about John Wooden – is something else. Dude, my favorite Bobby Knight quote about that same time period was when Michael Jordan was coming out of college. Yeah. All these NBA teams called him up and said, hey, listen, 
you know, what do you think about this player? What do you think about that player? And he talked to the Nets, I believe, and they were like, hey, we really, we really need a center. And he was like, all right, well, draft Michael Jordan and play him at center then. Like, that's how high he was on Jordan. My favorite was that Michael Jordan bet Steve Alford a thousand bucks that he wouldn't last four years under Bob Knight. He, Jordan hated him. Wow. He couldn't, he couldn't believe that Steve Alford would survive. Well, I can tell you, if you haven't seen it, you should. It's great television. It's undeniable with Joe Buck. Joe, yeah, cut us a check or something. Um, you're, we're, we'll wrap up the final hour here. We're going over to the internet if you're listening on WDCC. Again, check it out from the Cheap Seats. If you've got an iPhone, click that little purple iPod or uh, podcast icon. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Take us in. Search for From the Cheap Seats. You're right there. Leave us a review if you do. We'll read it on the air. Ooh, yeah. We won't do a we won't do a uh, an accent with that. We'll have now. Yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah we, we will. We'll let Brandon do an accent for that one. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out, internet folks. Follow us on over if you're listening on WBLZ. We got an hour to go. We love you guys. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. Welcome back to the second hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, and Professor Trent Nichols. We've been talking college football, and the coaching carousel is in full-on fifth-gear mode right now. The Tennessee issue with with Greg Schiano, Brandon, you made a great point. Greg Schiano now is tainted, and whether or not he had any knowledge of Jerry Sandusky and what was going on at, at Penn State. It doesn't matter at this point. Well, I guess I mean, he's guilty by association, and nobody else can touch him. What's the shelf life now? What? How long does this last? Should we retro go and shut down Ohio State football because they hired him? I mean, come on. I mean, if he had intimate knowledge or knowledge at all, I'll go that far. Any knowledge and didn't come out with it, that's unacceptable. But if it was, he was just around the program when all that stuff went down in Penn State. It just sucks that that would stick with you forever. Here's here's what I'll say about this. Jerry Sandusky, these college coaches and high school coaches and pro coaches, these guys spend a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. And whether or not Jerry Sandusky had the creepiness factor about him, I don't know. I never spent any time with the guy. Joe Paterno knew the guy had some issues. You would think that the other guys would have picked up on that. 
Well, but whether or not you can take that and correlate that, that guy's a little weird. Let me ask you a question. You watch a lot of TV, right? I watch a lot of sports. So why didn't you pick up on Charlie Rose was walking around naked and groping 20-year-old girls? Well, and you know what? Other folks around PBS probably did. Allegedly. My point is, is that we've all been around somebody that was, you know, a little off. And they, you know, they, they kind of creeped us out a little bit. But there's a long way between that and knowing that something criminal was going on. I don't know. But... For the kids at Tennessee who started protesting and the political candidates who, you know, made a spectacle of this and all the folks at Knoxville, they didn't want him at their school. Fair enough. That's, you know, they're allowed to do that. However, on the other side, you have to look at the damage that's been done to Greg Schiano. I know. And, you know, it, the only thing I'm saying, like, if it comes out tomorrow, then obviously all this is washed. You know, he knew about... Sandusky stuff, then all this doesn't count, what I'm about to say. But according to everybody that's around him, he's a great father, great husband, all this, stand-up citizen. Now he's not going to be able to get a job. Period. Well, well, and yes. However, let's not cry too many crocodile tears for him because he still is the defensive coordinator at Ohio State and will be as long as he wants to be there. So, yeah, he, it's not like he's going to be living under a bridge. But we've got to be careful passing judgment about folks. That's what I'm talking I about. Because I think that the likelihood that Greg Schiano knew that this guy was molesting kids, I think, is very, very remote. I think the minimal chance, uh, probably none. And I don't know Greg Schiano personally, but like you said, all of the reports about him are that he's an upstanding guy. He is a disciplinarian. Well, and, and those and, guys, you know, tend to tend to have a very clear picture of what is right and what is wrong. Let, let me paint a little picture for you, okay? Sure. And I'm not going to say the company or anything. But I used to work for a company, and I would see this guy, just like you see people passing by in the hallway and stuff like that. We worked the same company, same building. I would see him in the hallway ever so often. Hey, how are you doing? Good morning. Blah, blah, blah. I later found out he hired someone to kill his wife. He looked really normal to me. I've been in the same break room as this guy. I mean, don't I deserve to have a job after that? You know, I, I mean, I, I, that's not really my point. My point is that I had no way of knowing. You know what I mean? And I see this guy every couple of days in the hallways. You know, so I don't. You got to be careful, like you say, judging someone just because they work with the same company. They don't know what they're doing when they're plotting at home. You know, I mean, give me a break. That was the point I was trying to make, and you you kind of put a face on it by injecting yourself into that. That's what I'm saying is that there's there are limitations, and yeah, there have been people around me in my life where I got a funny vibe about it, and then something happened later on down the road, and I've been in some situations that were tragic, and I was like, wow. You know, I knew maybe something was off about that guy, but I didn't. I didn't know that. Well, and here's another good uh, from the cheap seats <laughs> research moment. But that guy who kept the girl in lockdown forever in his house, and she managed to get out. The guy that broke her out of that situation had barbecued with this dude. You know, like had drank beer with him. They were buddies, and like all of a sudden he goes to see his. To his house, and this young lady's knocking on the door saying, Help me. 
mean, you just don't know. People can – it's always you see the redneck being interviewed and, they're you know, the, the whole house is on fire and people are shot up and everything. And they're like, I don't know. He seemed like a real good guy to me. You yeah, know? But let's go one step further. Right now on Netflix, and if you haven't seen it, go watch it because it's really good. There is an expose on the Unabomber. And it's one of those docudramas, and it's about the FBI investigation to find the Unabomber. And the Unabomber, perfect example. The family knew this guy was off. The folks around him looked at him, and they were like, yeah, that dude's a little crazy. But they thought he was harmless. And then when it all came to pass, none of them were surprised. They were like, yeah. I got two words for you. Bill Cosby. (laughs) I mean, it happens all over the place. Now, this guy in Hollywood, everybody knew that was going down, right? But Bill Cosby? I mean, I grew up, he was like a second dad to me growing up. You know what I mean? And this dude's dropping pills in women's drinks. But at the end of the day, maybe all these protesters and the Tennessee people just did him a favor. Maybe that's not the right job for him. Well, obviously <laughs> you know? it's not the right job. But I, yeah, I then, just, do you really want to coach you know, at Tennessee? If, some, if somebody on. offered me a job at Tennessee right now, I said I used to work. I would say I used to work at Penn State. Sorry, <laughs> that's, that's how bad that program is. Tennessee is one of those that you know we think of as a traditional powerhouse. They haven't been good for a long time since and, Philip Falmer was the coach. Well, here's the, yeah. Thanks for that research. Here's one thing. And now NC State looks like they're off the charts because they bumped. Number two, Arizona off, but Tennessee reminds me a lot of the NC State basketball program where they haven't been really good for a very long time and they got zero patience for the coach, like none. Like if you're not winning, beating Carolina and Duke and winning national championships, you're gone. You can't just be, you know, you can't just have successful seasons in Tennessee. Tennessee is sort of like Michigan State. Michigan State's got some history. Michigan State, in a, from a football standpoint, has had some success, but they haven't been a juggernaut. They're going to be, you know, third fiddle between Ohio State and Michigan most seasons, and they're there with Wisconsin, kind of vying for that third spot. That's how Tennessee's always been in the SEC. But you're right, the fan base is not trying to hear that. And, you know, they pack 100,000 people into the stadium. It's the only thing within 100 miles if you've ever been to Knoxville, Tennessee. And, yeah, Greg Schiano, maybe they did him a favor. But I, I just want people to think about that for a second is, you know, the punishment here, you've got the public kind of playing judge, jury, and executioner on this because Greg Schiano now will not get a head gig. He's untouchable. People can't come behind him. And, you know, well, Tennessee passed because they suspected it's over. So he's he's sort of in his final job. Yep. Which, you know, if you're an Ohio State fan, maybe you don't mind because it's hard to keep a, a, a coordinator like that. We talked about it. The next level for Dabo Sweeney is to show that he can reload his assistants as these guys start getting peeled off to go other places. Well, Urban Meyer is the prime example of a guy who has been able to do that and just resets and every two, second or third year, it's a new offensive coordinator. It's a new defensive coordinator. Well, maybe now him and Shiano are joined at the hip because well, he took Shiano coming off that dog on Tampa Bay job when nobody really wanted Greg Shiano. Well, here's the deal, too. Shiano, just think about it in these terms. Mike Vick, you bring up the, his hiring 
even in the media now, check this out. Mike Vick gets hired for that sports show, and he was killing, you know, I guess mistreated dogs, killed dogs and all that bad stuff, this horrible. He still gets a job, but a lot of people made noise about it. Now Shiano is associated with a situation where kids were being hurt and molested. Nobody's going to hire this guy. You know, Tennessee basically set the bar of you're not getting a job anywhere ever. Nobody. So, so maybe he becomes Bilicek's Josh McDaniels. Shiano's with Urban Meyer for as long as it takes, and some, somebody's going to hire him at some point. I don't think so. I don't either. I don't think this is the type of thing that goes away, and you only remain relevant so long. That's why these coaches are so quick to jump and take that next job because – You've got a you've got a very short window of opportunity, a very small window of opportunity, and you're only sexy for a little while. Jerry Sandusky is a prime example of that. Jerry Sandusky, how long was he at Penn State with Joe Paterno? And once you've been there for a certain amount of time, you just get seen as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think back to the NFL with Jim Johnson when he was the defensive coordinator with the Eagles. He was there for a million years. You know, seen as one of the you know, the best guys around. And after a while, people just, your name falls off. Monty Kiffin. Monty Kiffin is a perfect one. Monty Kiffin, Dick LeBeau, even though LeBeau got that (laughs) shot with a horrible Bengals team. But those guys, they fall into that rut and they get seen as lifelong assistants. Now, we talked about Jimbo Fisher, and there's a whisper out there connecting him to the Texas A&M job. What do you, what's the right move for Jimbo? My first question, I don't know the answer, but my first question is why Texas A&M over Florida State? I don't understand. Is that nationally viewed as a better job than Florida State? No. No. Which which is the question. Well, now, what ties does he have with Texas A&M? None. Yeah. But I can tell you this. So is it does it fall in that category of it's cash. cash. He's doing the he's doing the money sign, but and it also the other piece of that you're talking about the UCLA job. Texas A&M, that, that fan base wants to win, but as long as he has them kind of sort of in the discussion, Texas A&M, it's not like they're Texas, right? You know, sh- it's not like they want to win, though, they shouldn't have gone to the SEC. That's a good point, sort of. Texas A&M is another one of those schools like Tennessee. They have delusions about what their place in college football is. Kevin Sumlin's taken a lot of heat. Kevin Sumlin's been there six years. How many losing seasons did someone have at Texas A&M? None. He won while he was there. Kevin Sumlin, by all accounts, is a bit of a knucklehead. Hard to get along with. He's a pompous guy. To me, and I hope I don't lose a sponsor here, but to me it's like you're running the show at Buffalo Wild Wings and then you go take a job at Popeye's Chicken. That's what this feels like. That's kind of. Uh, I think it's a little far fallen, to be honest with you. I think it's more like having a job. <laughs> it's like if Florida State would be like. Dude, that Louisiana chicken's pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Next year, I'm pulling the trigger on this. I love that Popeyes was actually offering Thanksgiving turkeys, they would do oh. Cajun fried turkey for you. 
I got to try it out because their turkey's as good as their chicken. Okay, that might be the best turkey ever. And here's the deal: it's more like it's more like going from. Why are you outing me like that? <laughs> it's going from Cheesecake Factory to Ruby Tuesdays or Applebee's or Applebee's well, here's or Chili's thing. or any of the other you know, frozen food places. But you're looking at you know Cheesecake Factory ain't nothing special going on there. Hey, it's but I'll be honest with you. food that they're just warming up. Well, here's one if thing. Popeye's chicken offered me a mo- enough money, I may think about okay. that job. Well, that's what we're and talking about. And you know what? Exactly I would be on. the proudest Popeye's chicken GM or regional manager in the company because that's in my nature. Well, here's so the deal. So if I'm going to leave Florida State, I'm going to give it my all to be the best and take Texas A&M to the glory days. I hear you, but here's the deal. What we're going to do, and we're going to announce this later, we're doing a blind eggnog test on the show. Yes, we are. Leading up to Christmas time. But we need to do a blind chicken tasting in here. Maybe I need to shut up. Maybe Popeye's chicken's the best thing on earth. But I think that would be cool to do a blind chicken tasting up in here. Hey, no offense to anybody that's sitting at this table, but I love <laughs> me some Popeye's. We'll see you on the other side. Popeye's, make your check payable to... From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Back from the Cheap Seats, Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. Check us out social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Send us a line at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. If we read your comment on the air, we'll send you a t shirt. That's simple. Hey, brother. We were talking off air about wings, boneless wings, which you like. There's something inherently wrong with that. Oh, I did, did, couldn't disagree less. Frankly, yeah, there's something inherently wrong because a chicken nugget is basically what that is. But I do love the boneless wings. It's like having I, potato salad at Thanksgiving. It's funny that they call it a boneless wing because we're going to pretend that it's what, strip wing meat? Come on, man. I, I get that it's gristle and goo and feet and whatever the case might be. Ow. But I like the it's way It's chicken the, breast. Sure it is. Chunked. I like the way that the, the boneless wings hold the sauce. And I don't partic- I don't take any joy in the mess that eating chicken wings creates. I just don't. Dude, there's something satisfying about when you get done looking at that pile of carnage there. Like, I did that. Look at these bones. Like, you walk up to you when you're boneless. You, you ain't been doing nothing. Oh, you got an empty tray. I know. Hey, I get it. And, and I will tell you. Mrs. DeLambert, nobody, nobody cleans a wing bone like she does. <laughs> nobody. Hey, now. It's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a 
freaking superpower. The, there is an art to cleaning the uh, yes. the chicken wing bone. And yeah. she looks at me when, when I eat a traditional wing and it's like, are you going to eat the rest of that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's, yeah, she doesn't mess around. All right. She's not listening to the show. I'm, I'm not sure. touching that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> oh, come on. I, hey, I, no. I'm not trying to be funny. That's, that's, you know, the thing. And if we were to go as a family and get wings, if anybody's going to order the boneless, I'm the only one. Everybody else is like, boneless? What's wrong with you? Listen, there is an art, and then we got to get off this topic. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> There's an art to the actual wing. Now, I'm not talking about the drummies, because you get wings, you get drummies and the actual wing. But there's a twist. There's an art form to this where you can twist the bone out and get a perfectly boneless piece of chicken without gnawing on it like a daggone rat. There is and, a See, that is one way to get yourself a perfectly boneless piece of chicken. The other way is to get a boneless wing. <laughs> So I'm just cutting out the, the right, whole bro- twisty part. All right, brother. Enjoy those chicken feet. That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah. You know Ignorance is bliss, huh? I, I'm not ignorant of it. I just don't care. <laughs> I really don't. The Let's other talk- thing, though, since we're, we, you know, we've been talking about Popeyes and all these other places, I do have to say, folks, don't sleep on that fried cheeseburger at Buffalo Wild Wings. Because that is the bomb. Have you had one, Brandon? No, We I'm have scared. to fix that. Trent. He's scared? Dude. The cheese curd burger? The cheese curd burger is silly. It's that good. Go try one. It's pretty good. Wing sales are down. I didn't know they stopped doing two-for-one traditional. But that's a temporary thing, right? Yes? No? No. It's forever, ever. Forever. If you guys want traditional wings in America to survive... They won't be on special. You'll have to pay full price. All right. Well, we'll at Buffalo Wild, we'll okay. or somebody out there needs to make more chickens. Somebody gotcha. Coaching carousel. Mount Let me tell you something. I'm gonna make a fearless prediction here. The best hire of this off season, as it applies to head coaches in the NCAA, is going to be Scott Frost going to to uh, Nebraska. And I don't know why everybody pretended that Scott Frost, who played quarterback at Nebraska, probably should have been hired last time around at Nebraska, took undefeated Central Florida from winless two years ago to 6-7 and seven last year to 12-0 and 0 at this point this year. Scott Frost's the real deal. Scott Frost had been rumored to UCLA, been rumored to Florida, been rumored to Tennessee. That was never, ever, 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 ever going to happen. Yeah, I thought if anything, Florida might be – the second choice because he's there in Florida. He's got the recruiting power. He's proven there. But no, he's going. I'm going to have to agree. He's going to Nebraska. I don't think there's any doubt. And apparently, Chris Fowler from ESPN now is, is reporting. It's hard to tell whether he's reporting or speculating that a deal's been in place with Scott Frost in Nebraska for quite a while now. It's been mm-hmm. done for a while. Brandon, you and I had this conversation over, I don't know, a week ago where I told you Scott Frost was the next head coach at Nebraska, and I thought it was a done deal. Now it seems that that's going to come to pass. Scott Frost is going to do a great job there. He's going to do a great job. They have been struggling and sputtering. There have been a series of bad hires at Nebraska ever since Tom Osborne left, really. Scott Frost may not get them back to that type level of performance, Um Nebraska and how they were able to do it back during Tom Osborne's tenure. Um, if you 
we, we could do a whole show on that. Prop 48 and the rest of that kind of killed it because Nebraska just used to take kids, couldn't get in any place else. Bottom line. When the rules changed across the board, that was the death of the Nebraska program because, frankly, there's not a whole lot of people who want to go live in Nebraska. Well, I was about to say that. Have you ever been in Nebraska? I have. No offense to anybody that lives in Nebraska or any of the other corn states in our country. But we were talking about Chip Kelly, and we're talking about you know Florida versus UCLA. Now he's taking the UCLA job, and I never finished my thought. Florida, that fan base is expecting national championships. They want to beat Alabama. They want to win their division. They want to win a national championship. UCLA, eh. They just want to beat UC. They just want to beat USC. USC. Well, how how painful has it been for Nebraska fan to watch Oklahoma just kind of continue to do what they've been doing? You know what I mean? Oh, like very painful. Yeah, but if Nebraska wouldn't have left the Big Twelve, they they still wouldn't have been relevant. I mean, I think they still would have been pretty bad. Going to the Big Ten didn't make them bad. I don't think I don't think going to the Big Ten made them bad. I think it's just been a bad series of hirings. You know, you keep set resetting the bringing these offensive, you know, these NFL coordinators in and stuff like that. You, you you're not getting this right. Did you see the head coach's final little press conference after the game though? Are I did felt bad for the guy. About Arkansas? Nebraska. No, I didn't. I, I felt bad. I mean, he was basically pleading. He's like, you know, this is not us. I have a lot of good work to do. He was like crying up there, well, going, "I hope this isn't the end." And okay, I was crying. like, "Okay, this dude is done." Boom! Nice segue. <laughs> Your Broncos ah. got beat by Oakland this week. Can I sing a Hootie awesome song? <laughs> it was an awesome game. The Raiders jumped out. They were up 21 to nothing. Paxton Lynch got the start. Finally got the shoulders right. Everything's good. Comes in and played like hot garbage. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I've watched the video. I've rewound it seven or eight times. I still don't know what he did to his ankle. Did Have you seen the video? Nope. Okay, you'll see it. And apparently he rolled – well, not apparently, he did. He rolled out, throws the ball down the field, he's rolling to his right, and then he starts hopping around on his left foot. Something happened to his lower right leg. There's no kind of awkwardness that associates with it. There's no twist. There's no nothing. But he hops out, and it's very dramatic. And it's almost like the, you know, the seven-year-old kid – that hurts himself and, and plays it up. And I don't know how badly he was hurt. I don't want to make light of it. But he's hopping like he can't put any weight on it. He hops to the sideline, then puts his foot down and walks to the bench with a little bit of a limp. It's kind of funny. Next thing we know, he's been benched. And Trevor Simeon's back in the ball game. And here's Paxton Lynch. Grown man. Leader of a football team as the starting quarterback. Crying tears, dude. Are you sure he wasn't on the sideline cutting an onion or something? Okay, on the sideline. So, I'm gonna give him benefit of doubt. Could well have been getting ready to make some gumbo. I, I sent my wife a text and I said, "What the heck happened with Paxton Lynch?" She goes, "I don't know. I think he's Jake Cutler." Oh, so if well, here's the your thing. dream, Chris, was to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And you got drafted by John Elway to be the next guy. And you're sitting on the bench realizing that you'll never be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Do you think you would come to tears, my friend? Because... If I did, I'd find someplace to hide. (laughs) Now, (laughs) 
not sitting on the bench for the world to see because it was demonstrable. I mean, and he's in the towel, and then he's not in the towel, and he's crying, and I felt bad for the guy. But then I was like, first of all, why do you have that silly little hat on your head? Because, you know, he had the little, the whatever. Not a good look, man. Mm -mm. Not a good look. Once you get to a certain age, you got to knock some of that off, right? Well, you do. And here's the thing, and we've talked about this a lot. First of all, it's funny because you got Jay Cutler over here. you got Paxton Lynch over there. Paxton Lynch is not Jay Cutler because Jay Cutler never cared about football enough to cry. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's true. But Paxton Lynch, we've talked about this a lot. Physically, Paxton Lynch got all the arm talent in the world. I do think that the Broncos and the rest of the NFL, when Paxton Lynch came out, fell prey to the system there at Memphis when he was there and lost sight of the fact that if this guy was any good, he probably wouldn't be the starting quarterback in Memphis. Just what I'm saying. Yeah. There's it wasn't – it was – let's call an ace an ace. It was John Elway that fell in love with that. He, he fell did. in love with his big arm well, and the tall quarterback. And, and here's what I'm going to say. Paxton Lynch now has been there for a couple of years. Paxton Lynch at no point has created separation between him and the other quarterbacks on the roster. Nope. I've said this before, and we talked about it with Mitch Trubisky when he was drafted, that a guy that has the tools to be your leader, the most important person on the football field, it's pretty apparent from the day they show up. It doesn't happen very often where you're like, oh, I wonder what he can do when he gets in there. If Paxton Lynch was the guy, I think that would have made itself apparent before now. I don't know. Well, that's what I said. He's he's lost the job two years in a row to Trevor Simeon. So I've already come to terms with, A, they're not going to win another game, and, B, we need to draft our future quarterback. <laughs> we, who's here that mouse in your pocket? We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheek Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, welcome back to the second hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, and Professor Trent Nichols. We've been talking college football, and the coaching carousel is in full-on fifth-gear mode right now. The Tennessee issue with, with Greg Schiano, Brandon, you made a great point. Greg Schiano now is tainted, and whether or not he had any knowledge of Jerry Sandusky and what was going on at, at Penn State, it doesn't matter at this point. 
Well, I guess I mean, he's guilty by association, and nobody else can touch him. What's the shelf life now? What, how long does this last? Should we retro go and shut down Ohio State football because they hired him? I mean, come on. I mean, if he had intimate knowledge or knowledge at all, I'll go that far. Any knowledge and didn't come out with it, that's unacceptable. But if it was, he was just around the program when all that stuff went down in Penn State, it just sucks that that would stick with you forever. Here's, here's what I'll say about this. Jerry Sandusky, these college coaches and high school coaches and pro coaches, these guys spend a lot of time together. Mm -hmm. And whether or not Jerry Sandusky had the creepiness factor about him, I don't know. I never spent any time with the guy. Joe Paterno knew the guy had some issues. You would think that the other guys would have picked up on that. Well, but whether or not you can take that and correlate that, that guy's a little weird. Let me ask you a question. You watch a lot of TV, right? I watch a lot of sports. So why didn't you pick up on Charlie Rose was walking around naked and groping 20-year-old girls? <laughs> well, and you know what? Other folks around PBS probably did. Allegedly. My point is, is that we've all been around somebody that was, you know, a little off. And they, you know, they, they kind of creeped us out a little bit, but there's a long way between that and knowing that something criminal was going on. I don't know, but for the kids at Tennessee who started protesting and the political candidates who, you know, made a spectacle of this and all the folks at Knoxville, they didn't want him at their school. Fair enough. That's, you know, they're allowed to do that. However, on the other side, you have to look at the damage that's been done to Greg Schiano. I know. And, you know, it, the only thing I'm saying, like, if it comes out tomorrow, then obviously all this is washed. You know, he knew about Sandusky's stuff, then all this doesn't count, what I'm about to say. But according to everybody that's around him, he's a great father, great husband, all this, stand-up citizen. Now he's not going to be able to get a job. Period. Well, well and yes. However, let's not cried too many crocodile tears for him because he still is the defensive coordinator at Ohio State and will be as long as he wants to be there. So, yeah, he, it's not like he's going to be living under a bridge, but we've got to be careful passing judgment about folks. That's what I'm talking I about. I think that the likelihood that Greg Schiano knew that this guy was molesting kids I think is very, very remote. I think the minimal chance, uh, probably none. And I don't know Greg Schiano personally, but like you said, all of the reports about him are that he's an upstanding guy. He is a disciplinarian. Well, and, and those and guys, you know, tend to tend to have a very clear picture of what is right and what is wrong. Let, let me paint a little picture for you, okay? Sure. And I'm not gonna say the company or anything. But I used to work for a company and I would see this guy, just like you see people passing by in the hallway and stuff like that. We work the same company, same building. I would see him in the hallway ever so often, hey, how are you doing? Good morning, blah, blah, blah. I later found out he hired someone to kill his wife. He looked really normal to me. I've been in the same break room as this guy. I mean, don't I deserve to have a job after that? You know, I, I mean, uh, that's not really my point. My point is that I had no way of knowing, you know what I mean? And I see this guy every couple of days in the hallways, you know, so I don't, 
you got to be careful, like you say, judging someone just because they work with the same company. They don't know what they're doing when they're plotting at home. You know, I mean, give me a break. That was the point I was trying to make. And you, you kind of put a face on it by injecting yourself into that. That's what I'm saying is that there's there are limitations. And yeah, there have been people around me in my life where I got a funny vibe about it. And then something happened later on down the road. And I've been in some situations that were tragic. And I was like, wow, you know, I knew maybe something was off about that guy, but I didn't I didn't know that. What? And here's another good uh, from the cheap seats <laughs> research moment. But that guy who kept the girl in lockdown forever in his house and she managed to get out. The guy that broke her out of that situation had barbecued with this dude, you know, like had drank beer with him. They were buddies. And like all of a sudden he goes to see his to his house and this young lady's knocking on the door saying, help me. I mean, you just don't know. People can, it's always, you see the redneck being interviewed and they're, you know, the, the whole house is on fire and people are shot up and everything. And they're like, I don't know. He seemed like a real good guy to me. You yeah, know? Well, let's go one step further right now on Netflix. And if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Cause it's really good. There is an expose on the Unabomber. And it's one of those docudramas, and it's about the FBI investigation to find the Unabomber. And the Unabomber, perfect example. The family knew this guy was off. The folks around him looked at him, and they were like, yeah, that dude's a little crazy. But they thought he was harmless. And then when it all came to pass, none of them were surprised. They were like, yeah. I got two words for you. Bill Cosby. (laughs) I mean, it happens all over the place. Now, this guy in Hollywood, everybody knew that was going down, right? But Bill Cosby? I mean, I grew up, he was like a second dad to me growing up. You know what I mean? And this dude's dropping pills in women's drinks. But at the end of the day, maybe all these protesters and the Tennessee people just did him a favor. Maybe that's not the right job for him. Well, obviously <laughs> you know? it's not the right job. But I, yeah, I then, just, do you really want to coach you know, at Tennessee? If, some, if somebody on. offered me a job at Tennessee right now, I said I used to work. I would say I used to work at Penn State. Sorry, <laughs> that's, that's how bad that program is. Tennessee is one of those that you know we think of as a traditional powerhouse. They haven't been good for a long time since and, Philip Falmer was the coach. Well, here's the yeah. Thanks for that research. Here's one thing. And now NC State looks like they're off the charts because they bumped. Number two, Arizona off, but Tennessee reminds me a lot of the NC State basketball program where they haven't been really good for a very long time and they got zero patience for the coach, like none. Like if you're not winning, beating Carolina and Duke and winning national championships, you're gone. You can't just be, you know, you can't just have successful seasons in Tennessee. Tennessee is sort of like Michigan State. Michigan State's got some history. Michigan State, in a, from a football standpoint, has had some success, but they haven't been a juggernaut. They're going to be, you know, third fiddle between Ohio State and Michigan most seasons, and they're there with Wisconsin, kind of vying for that third spot. That's how Tennessee's always been in the SEC. But you're right; the fan base is not trying to hear that. And, you know, they pack 100,000 people into the stadium. It's the only thing within 100 miles if you've ever been to Knoxville, Tennessee. And, yeah, Greg Schiano, maybe they did him a favor. But I, I just want people to think about that for a second is, you know, the punishment here 
you've got the public kind of playing judge, jury, and executioner on this because Greg Schiano now will not get a head gig. He's untouchable. People can't come behind him. And, you know, will Tennessee pass because they suspect it's over? So he's he's sort of in his final job. Yep. Which, you know, if you're an Ohio State fan, maybe you don't mind because it's hard to keep a, a, a coordinator like that. We talked about it. The next level for Dabo Sweeney is to show that he can reload his assistants as these guys start getting peeled off to go other places. Well, Urban Meyer is the prime example of a guy who has been able to do that and just resets. And every second or third year, it's a new offensive coordinator. It's a new defensive coordinator. Well, maybe now him and Shiano are joined at the hip because he took Shiano coming off that doggone Tampa Bay job when nobody really wanted Greg Shiano. Well, here's the deal, too. Shiano, just think about it in these terms. Mike Vick, you bring up his hiring, even in the media now. Check this out. Mike Vick gets hired for that sports show, and he was killing, you know, I guess mistreated dogs, killed dogs and all that bad stuff that's horrible. He still gets a job, but a lot of people made noise about it. Now Shiano is associated with a situation where kids were being hurt and molested. Nobody's going to hire this guy. You know, Tennessee basically set the bar of you're not getting a job anywhere ever. Nobody. So, so maybe he becomes Bilichek's Josh McDaniels. Shiano's with Urban Meyer for as long as it takes, and some, somebody's going to hire him at some point. I don't think so. I don't either. I don't think this is the type of thing that goes away, and you only remain relevant so long. That's why these coaches are so quick to jump and take that next job because you've got a, you've got a very short window of opportunity a very small window of opportunity, and you're only sexy for a little while. Jerry Sandusky is a prime example of that. Jerry Sandusky, how long was he at Penn State with Joe Paterno? And once you've been there for a certain amount of time, you just get seen as an assistant coach. Mm -hmm. Um, I think back to the NFL with Jim Johnson when he was the defensive coordinator with the Eagles. He was there for a million years, you know, seen as one of the, you know, the best guys around. And after a while, people just, your name falls off. Dick Monty LeBeau. Kiffin. Monty Kiffin is a perfect one. Monty Kiffin, Dick LeBeau, even though LeBeau got <coughs> that shot with a horrible Bengals team. But those guys, they fall into that rut and they get seen as lifelong assistants. Now, we talked about Jimbo Fisher, and there's a whisper out there connecting him to the Texas A&M job. What do you th- what's the right move for Jimbo? My first question, I don't know the answer, but my first question is why Texas A&M over Florida State? I don't understand. Is that nationally viewed as a better job than Florida State? No. No. Which which is the question. Well, now, what ties does he have with Texas A&M? None. Yeah. But I can tell you this. So is it does it fall in that category of it's cash. cash. He's doing the he's doing the money sign, but in it also the other piece of that you're talking about the UCLA job. Texas A&M, that, that fan base wants to win, but as long as he has them kind of sort of in the discussion, Texas A&M, it's not like they're Texas, right? You know, sh- it's not if like they want to win, though. They shouldn't have gone to the SEC. That's a good point, sort of. Texas A&M is another one of those schools like Tennessee. They have delusions about what their place in college football is. 
Kevin Sumlin's taken a lot of heat. Kevin Sumlin's been there six years. How many losing seasons did someone have at Texas A&M? None. He won while he was there. Kevin Sumlin, by all accounts, is a bit of a knucklehead. Hard to get along with. He's a pompous guy. To me, and I hope I don't lose a sponsor here, but to me it's like you're running the show at Buffalo Wild Wings and then you go take a job at Popeye's Chicken. That's what this feels like. Uh, That's kind of... I think it's a little far fallen, to be honest with you. I think it's more like having a job. It's like Florida State would be like. Dude, that Louisiana chicken's pretty damn good. (laughs) Now, you know what? Next year, I'm pulling the trigger on this. I love that Popeyes was actually offering Thanksgiving turkeys, they would do Cajun fried turkey for you. I got to try it out because their turkey's as good as their chicken. Okay. That might be the best turkey ever. And here's the deal. It's more, like, it's more like going from. Why are you outing me like that? <laughs> it's going from Cheesecake Factory to Ruby Tuesdays. Or Applebee's. Or Applebee's. Well, here's or one Chili's thing. or any of the other you know, frozen food places. But you're looking at, you know, Cheesecake Factory ain't nothing special going on there. Hey, it's but I'll be honest with you. food that they're just warming up. Well, here's one if thing. Popeye's chicken offered me a mo- enough money. I may think about okay. that job. Well, that's on. what we're and talking you know about. Exactly I would be on. the proudest Popeye's chicken GM or regional manager in the company because that's in my nature. Well, here's so the deal. So if I'm going to leave Florida State, I'm going to give it my all to be the best and take Texas A&M to the glory days. I hear you, but here's the deal. What we're going to do, and we're going to announce this later, we're doing a blind eggnog test on the show. Yes, we are. Leading up to Christmas time. But we need to do a blind chicken tasting in here. Maybe I need to shut up. Maybe Popeye's chicken's the best thing on earth. But I think that would be cool to do a blind chicken tasting up in here. Hey, no offense to anybody that's sitting at this table, but I love (laughs) me some Popeye's. We'll see you on the other side. Popeye's, make your check payable to... From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. back from Cheap Seats, Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. Check us out social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Send us a line at CheapSeatRadio at gmail.com. If we read your comment on the air, we'll send you a t-shirt. That's simple. Hey, brother, we were talking off air about wings, boneless wings, which you like. There's something inherently wrong with that. Oh, I did, did, couldn't disagree less Frankly, yeah, there's something inherently wrong because a chicken nugget is basically what that is. But I do love the boneless wings. It's like having I, potato salad at Thanksgiving. It's funny that they call it a boneless wing because we're going to pretend that it's what strip 
wing meat. Come on, man. I, I get that it's gristle and goo and feet and whatever the case might be. No. But I like the it's way... It's chicken the, breast. Sure it is. Chunked. I like the way that the the boneless wings hold the sauce, and I don't partic- I don't take any joy in the mess that eating chicken wings creates. I just don't. Dude, there's something satisfying about when you get done looking at that pile of carnage there. Like, I did that. Look at these bones. Like, you walk up to you when you're boneless. You, you ain't been doing nothing. Oh, you got an empty tray. I know. Hey, I get it. And, and I will tell you, Mrs. DeLambert, nobody, nobody cleans a wing bone like she does. <laughs> nobody. Hey, now. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a freaking superpower. There is an art to cleaning the, uh, yes. the chicken wing bone. And yeah. she looks at me when, when I eat a traditional wing and is like, are you going to eat the rest of that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's, yeah, she doesn't mess around. All right. She's not listening to the show. I'm, I'm not sure. touching that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> oh, come on. I, hey, I, no. I'm not trying to be funny. That's, that's you know, the thing. And if we were to go as a family and get wings, if anybody's going to order the boneless, I'm the only one. Everybody else is like, boneless? What's wrong with you? Listen, there is an art, and then we got to get off this topic. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> There's an art to the actual wing. Now, I'm not talking about the drummies, because you get wings, you get drummies and the actual wing. But there's a twist. There's an art form to this where you can twist the bone out and get a perfectly boneless piece of chicken without gnawing on it like a daggone rat. There is and, a See, that is one way to get yourself a perfectly boneless piece of chicken. The other way is to get a boneless wing. <laughs> So I'm just cutting out the, the right, whole bro- twisty part. All right, brother. Enjoy those chicken feet. That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah. you know, Ignorance is bliss, huh? I, I'm not ignorant of it. I just don't care. <laughs> I really don't. The Let's other talk- thing, though, is since we're, we, you know, we've been talking about Popeyes and all these other places, I do have to say, folks, don't sleep on that fried cheeseburger at Buffalo Wild Wings. Because that is the bomb. Have you had one, Brandon? No, We I'm have scared. to fix that. Trent. He's scared? Dude. The cheese curd burger? The cheese curd burger is silly. It's that good. Go try one. It's pretty good. Wing sales are down. I didn't know they stopped doing two-for-one traditional. But that's a temporary thing, right? Yes? No? No. It's forever, ever. Forever. If you guys want traditional wings in America to survive... They won't be on special. You'll have to pay full price. All right. Well, we'll at Buffalo Wild we'll okay. Or somebody out there needs to make more chickens. Somebody. Gotcha. Coaching carousel. Mountaineer. Let me tell you something. I'm going to make a fearless prediction here. The best hire of this offseason, as it applies to head coaches in the NCAA, is going to be Scott Frost going to, to uh, Nebraska. And I don't know why everybody pretended that Scott Frost, who played quarterback at Nebraska, probably should have been hired last time around at Nebraska, took undefeated Central Florida from winless two years ago to 6-7 and seven last year to 12-0 and 0 at this point this year. Scott Frost's the real deal. Scott Frost had been rumored to UCLA, been rumored to Florida, been rumored to Tennessee. That was never, ever, 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 ever going to happen. Yeah, I thought if anything, Florida might be – the second choice because he's there in Florida. He's got the recruiting power. He's proven there. But no, 
He's going. I'm going to have to agree. He's going to Nebraska. I don't think there's any doubt. And apparently, Chris Fowler from ESPN now is, is reporting. It's hard to tell whether he's reporting or speculating that a deal's been in place with Scott Frost in Nebraska for quite a while now. It's been mm-hmm. done for a while. Brandon, you and I had this conversation over, I don't know, a week ago where I told you Scott Frost was the next head coach at Nebraska, and I thought it was a done deal. Now it seems that that's going to come to pass. Scott Frost is going to do a great job there. He's going to do a great job. They have been struggling and sputtering. They've been a series of bad hires at Nebraska ever since Tom Osborne left, really. Scott Frost may not get them back to that type level of performance. Um Nebraska and how they were able to do it back during Tom Osborne's tenure, um, if you, we we could do a whole show on that. Prop forty eight and the rest of that kind of killed it because Nebraska just used to take kids couldn't get in any place else. Bottom line, when the rules changed across the board, that was the death of the Nebraska program because frankly, there's not a whole lot of people who want to go live in Nebraska. Well, I was about to say that. Have you ever been in Nebraska? I have. No offense to anybody that lives in Nebraska or any of the other corn states in our country. But we were talking about Chip Kelly, and we're talking about you know Florida versus UCLA. Now he's taking the UCLA job, and I never finished my thought. Florida, that fan base is expecting national championships. They want to beat Alabama. They want to win their division. They want to win a national championship. UCLA, eh. They, they just want to beat UC. The they now, just want to beat uh, USC. USC. Well, yeah, well how, how painful has it been for Nebraska fan to watch Oklahoma just kind of continue to do what they've been doing? You know what I mean? Oh, like, very painful. Yeah, but if Nebraska wouldn't have left the Big 12, they, they still wouldn't have been relevant. I mean, I think they still would have been pretty bad. Going to the Big 10 didn't make them bad. I don't think, I don't think going to the Big 10 made them bad. I think it's just been a bad series of hirings. You know, you keep set resetting the bringing these offensive, you know, these NFL coordinators in and stuff like that. You, you you're not getting this right. Did you see the head coach's final little press conference after the game though? I did felt bad for the guy. About Arkansas? Nebraska. No, I didn't. I, I felt bad. I mean, he was basically pleading. He's like, you know, this is not us. I have a lot of good work to do. He was like crying up there, well, going, "I hope this isn't the end." And okay, I was crying. like, okay, this dude is done. Boom! Nice segue. <laughs> Your Broncos ah. got beat by Oakland this week. Can I sing a Hootie awesome song? <laughs> it was an awesome game. The Raiders jumped out. They were up 21 to nothing. Paxton Lynch got the start. Finally got the shoulders right. Everything's good. Comes in and played like hot garbage. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I've watched the video. I've rewound it seven or eight times. I still don't know what he did to his ankle. Did Have you seen the video? Nope. Okay, you'll see it. And apparently he rolled – well, not apparently, he did. He rolled out, throws the ball down the field, he's rolling to his right, and then he starts hopping around on his left foot. Something happened to his lower right leg. There's no kind of awkwardness that associates with it. There's no twist. There's no nothing. But he hops out, and it's very dramatic. And it's almost like the, you know, the seven-year-old kid – that hurts himself and, and plays it up. And I don't know how badly he was hurt. I don't want to make light of it. But he's hopping like he can't put any weight on it. He hops to the sideline, then puts his foot down and walks to the bench with a little bit of a limp. It's kind of funny. Next thing we know, he's been benched. And Trevor Simeon's back in the ball game. And here's Paxton Lynch, grown man, 
leader of a football team as the starting quarterback crying tears. Dude, are you sure he wasn't on the sideline? Cutting an onion or something okay. on the sideline? I'm so, gonna give him benefit of doubt. Could well have been getting ready to make some gumbo. I, I sent my wife a text and I said, What the heck happened with Paxton Lynch? She goes, I don't know. I think he's Jake Cutler. Oh. So, if well, here's your thing. dream, Chris, was to be a starting quarterback in the NFL and you got drafted by John Elway to be the next guy and you're sitting on the bench realizing that you'll never be a starting quarterback in the NFL, do you think you would come to tears, my friend? Because If I did, I'd find someplace to hide. <laughs> now... <laughs> Not sitting on the bench for the world to see because it was demonstrable. I mean, and he's in the towel, and then he's not in the towel, and he's crying, and I felt bad for the guy. But then I was like, first of all, why do you have that silly little hat on your head? Because, you know, he had the little the whatever. Not a good look, man. Mm-mm. Not a good Once look. Once you get to a certain age, you got to knock some of that off, right? Well, you do. And here's the thing. And we've talked about this a lot. First of all, it's funny because you got Jay Cutler over here. you got Paxton Lynch over there. Paxton Lynch is not Jay Cutler because Jay Cutler never cared about football enough to cry. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's true. But Paxton Lynch, we've talked about this a lot. Physically, Paxton Lynch got all the arm talent in the world. I do think that the Broncos and the rest of the NFL when Paxton Lynch came out fell prey to the system there at Memphis when he was there and lost sight of the fact that if this guy was any good, he probably wouldn't be the starting quarterback in Memphis. Just what I'm saying. Yeah. It wasn't – it was – let's call an ace an ace. It was John Elway that fell in love with that. He He fell in love with his big arm and the tall quarterback. And and here's what I'm going to say. Paxton Lynch now has been there for a couple of years. Paxton Lynch at no point has created separation between him and the other quarterbacks on the roster. Nope. I've said this before, and we talked about it with Mitch Trubisky when he was drafted, that a guy that has the tools to be your leader, the most important person on the football field, it's pretty apparent from the day they show up. It doesn't happen very often where you're like, oh, I wonder what he can do when he gets in there. If Paxton Lynch was the guy, I think that would have made itself apparent before now. I don't know. Well, that's what I said. He's he's lost the job two years in a row to Trevor Simeon. So I've already come to terms with, A, they're not going to win another game, and, B, we need to draft our future quarterback. <laughs> we. Who's here that mouse in your pocket? We'll see you on the other side. You're listening from the Cheeks. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.